Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make? I'm in Max. You are listening to... Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 4 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tappy. I'm Chris. And this is Mo. Well, hello, gentlemen. How have you been? Good. Not it's been a shabby. long week. It has been a long week. It's but, been a long um, four or five months, actually. Oh, better now. <laughs> Thank you. I, I have big news. As I, I mentioned on the show previously a few times that I was writing or had almost completed a novel, and it has been finished. And it is, it is now available right now on Amazon for your Kindle. And uh, Now, there's two versions of it. There's the version when I decided not to do a fifth proofreading pass, and oh that has gosh. this sort of like yellowish-goldish cover. And it's, you can't buy it, but it still shows up. And then there's another, <laughs> there's another one that has a cover with a rock. The cover with but the it rock, rock. It has a rock. It wasn't a rock. But that one went through that fifth. Turns out, very critical proofreading pass, <laughs> which is why the earlier version is no longer available for sale. So, and then the the uh, print on demand uh, paperback will probably be available maybe tomorrow or Sunday, possibly as late as Monday. So. If you would like to read the book I wrote, it it is about... What is the title? It is called Mandite Chronicles Number 1, because I decided to, to number them so everyone would know which one, because I've already started on the second one, uh, The Apprentice. Uh, and it is uh, it, it is uh, based in Eldamy, but it's a slightly modified version of Eldamy, if you're familiar with the actual play, D&D actual play I did. Um, and the character in it, I don't think that... Is an NPC I made for the original D and D game. That I think Tappy was in as well. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. I think he was yeah, in. his name was Mandite, and he was the he was a the sort of uh, uh, sort of a, 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 a affable necromancer. Mm-hmm. But he was one. Of, he's one of my favorite NPCs. So I decided to yeah. write the story about how he became the guy he was when the party met him. So I, I don't know how many how many books it'll be, but. The uh, the first one. Answer who likes alive people? Yeah, he does. He's he's a nice he's a nice he's not that nice. He's kind of a nice guy. So, um, someone read an early version of it and said, "I liked the character until he did this one thing, and he was almost remorseless about it, and I hated him for the rest of the book." (laughs) So (laughs) I went through and I said, "Yeah, that was pretty harsh." (laughs) So I went went back and sort of forced him to kind of discover. And the second book is about the repercussions of that event. So I, I think that might... might um, so congratulations. Kind of a, so I, I, I have to say, it is really, really difficult to not only complete a novel, but put it out there for other people to actually read. And, you know... Oh, I ha- it's that's one of, awesome. It, it was definitely one of those things where it's like, if I don't put this out now, I'm never going to put it out. Mm. <laughs> and, and then I went... Oh no! I should proofread it one more time. <laughs> so I did. So I, 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 I left it up, but I didn't say anything to anyone. So no one bought it except me because I bought a copy of it and I pushed it to my kids' Kindles and said, "If you guys want to read it, you can go ahead and read it." And then, um, 
I went through and I proofread it one more time backwards, you know, a, a paragraph at a time. So you're not getting context; you're just actually reading the words. And and, wow. and, and I found a, easily a hundred typos. Oh, so I've never done it that way. I will from now on. That's Thank what you. I used to be a proofreader. That's what I did when I worked at McDonnell Douglas, and it was um, extremely tedious work, and I hated it. But I did get pretty good at it. The problem is, it's really hard to proofread your own stuff. It is because you're too familiar. Because you're like, with it. oh, I know what this says, and then you skim over it and move on. Yeah, and, and you, you'll have a wrong word or not misspelled words. It's hard to misspell words anymore because of all the tools that are out there. But but wrong words or something screwy like that. It's really easy to, to to gloss over it, especially if you've if you wrote it yourself and you're reading it for the fifth or sixth time. It's, it's really easy to miss. Unfortunately, it's long enough because if I had, if it had been a small mass market paperback, it'd be about three hundred pages long. And wow, it was it's expensive to have that proofread by a professional proofreader. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you tried a service called Grammarly? I That's, love Grammarly. I, Grammarly Grammarly was part of my last pass. Yeah. that's why I, that's why that's when I discovered it, I'm like I got I need some I need some help to find things and then I put it through Grammarly and it, and it found a few more I'm sure some slipped through so how does Gram- Grammarly, Grammarly likes commas though so be careful like it likes them but sometimes yeah. it doesn't like them it doesn't like it sometimes it's like no this parenthetical phrase doesn't deserve commas <laughs> and <there's, laughs> it's good to know yeah and it, it's also really um I, I don't know if there's a way to change the settings, but it's like, we assume that you are writing a technical manual and you don't want any superfluous words, so we're going to mark every one of them. And it's like, no. <laughs> Novels have superfluous words. It's okay. <laughs> so they don't have like a novel setting? They do. I think I, I don't I, know they if might, I have the professional I version or not. I don't have the professional but, version. I, yeah. I, I, I'll look at it and see how much it costs, but I think, you know, if, if it sells at all and I stock, you know, tuck the money away, the next book, I'll, I'll just. It was expensive. It was like to have it proofread was going to cost me about eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, that's sounds. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, well, I had when I had Moment of Truth. Moment of Truth was only like fifty or sixty pages long, and I and I I hired a professional proofreader to go through it. Good thing, and she actually did a lot of RPG books, so she even had like a couple of like rules questions as she read through it, which is nice, awesome. Yeah. But I mean, her rates were reasonable. But it was—I mean, this is this is something that's six or seven times larger, word count-wise. So I'm like, Ugh. what is the word count? Uh, the word count. Oh, I don't know offhand. Three hundred pages. It's got to be like over a hundred thousand. Probably. Yeah, it was definitely hundred fifty. I went. I think it was like a hundred and sixty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. And I just started. I just finished the first chapter of the second one. So I'm having fun you doing made a lot of stuff up. Yes. Great. Yes. <laughs> it, it, and it's. Um, it, it, I mean, I spend a lot of time writing anyway. But it's usually for games, right. but um, and, and there's really no, no place to go and nothing really to do. So I'm sitting in front of my laptop and write write books. So we'll yeah, see. You know, making me read 160 thousand words backwards, paragraph by paragraph, will totally get state secrets from me. <laughs> 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 I can see that. I, I give up. I'll tell you whatever you want. <laughs> Please don't make yeah. me do this anymore. <clears throat> I, I understand. I totally understand. <laughs> All right. So anyway, if you want to go, you can look for it. You, you just search my name, Stu Venable, on Amazon, and it'll boop, pop right up right there. 
Um, in this episode of Happy Tech RPG Podcast, uh, Adam from Utah writes in about adventuring in a peaceful city. MRCJ writes in about good vers- good and evil, and Muddy Boots sends us a horror story. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have quite a backlog of emails right now, so if you send an email now, we probably won't read it for months. <coughs> Sorry, Canada. Uh, we have a forum, happyjacksforum.com, uh, and then we also are on the social meteors. <coughs> happyjacksrpg, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe. If you'd like to watch the show live, go to happyjacks.org slash live on Fridays at 7 p.m. Pacific time, and you can see our faces while we talk at you. Don't forget about Discord. Forrest runs a nice ship over there. That's right. Is it Happy Jacks RPG as well? Do you know? I don't know. There's a server link. It's on the website. Oh, it is. To. Okay. Yeah. Go to happyjacks.org, and you can find the link there. And anyone else have anything that's going on interesting that uh, you want to mention on the show? I do. I'm afraid to mention it, though. Why? Okay. <laughs> I've got another Kickstarter coming. Oh, do you? What's uh, that? Uh, Great American Witch is coming out finally. Excellent. Uh, we're doing something different with it uh, in the Kickstarter. I don't want to do a big like ten thousand dollar or whatever Kickstarter. I just need to get it out because I don't have a lot of faith in the marketplace right now. Um, also, it's done. I mean, it's ready. I just need to recoup costs. So um, the publisher and I decided to do a very small scale, two week, local Kickstarter, and we'll have it out by September. So oh, awesome. uh, it's done ready it's great i love the game i can't wait to keep designing in it i'm going to be playing in in the witch world for quite some time now as a designer i'm having a lot of fun with it cool now is is it um uh, you've got so you've got your artwork and everything it's all laid out and ready to go yeah everything's laid out i'm back talking about proofing um doing that right now and i'm with happy i wish somebody else would do it right (laughs) But yeah, it's ready. The system's solid. Um, we've been running it on Happy Jacks, and this the game has been great. And uh, I'm ready uh, to put it out. So we're we're looking forward to that. Excellent. I'm actually waiting on some cover art. So as soon as that's ready, I'll probably be posting more about it. Cool. Um, I heard Gen Con Online is starting next week. Oh, is it? Right. I wonder. Oh. Interesting and weird. Yes. And well, I mean, Strategic Con, our local conventions here, that the. the uh, uh, Maycon, what is is that? Gateway? Uh, that? I always get it mixed up. Gamex, that's Gamex. Gamex. Yeah, Gamex uh, was virtual, and then they just announced that Orcon, which is SeptemberCon, is going to be virtual as well. So I canceled my hotel room. Um, anything else? Anyone working on? No, no. Okay, uh-huh. right. I'm gonna be running a playtest of the new Dune system. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Excellent. I, uh, sadly, I can't you know talk about it because I said I wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> um, did you I sign mean, an NDA? I'd say it's similar to their John Carter of Mars system, which I'm actually not that big of a fan of. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure of how it's going to run because it's it's so much it's so similar to that system. So I'm sure the playtest will be okay, but it will be very interesting to see if they can actually make it feel like Dune. Because Dune is bananas, right? It's like how, um, uh, um, what you call it, finger guns, um, the uh, uh, rifts should feel like. You yeah. know, when you're playing it in the new rifts, you're like, holy shit, I saw it with 15 fucking, uh, like, hours and feats and everything, and my boom gun will kill everybody in one shot. You feel awesome. And, like, that's how Dune should feel, in my opinion. Because you're like a mentat, so you're like actually a computer, or you can read fucking minds or whatever. Right. So, 
We'll see. I think um, some of the risk of doing these big license games is that you get uh, these old trad systems or older systems that are focused on combat and not on like what the license should feel like. Right. And it seems like to me, Dune should be way more interested in politics than in like you know, can you punch somebody? Um, well, I mean, it's it's obviously both if you like read the books because mm-hmm. there's you know intrigues are both stabbing people and poisoning people as well as you know doing political shit. Um, I was hoping for something that is much more like the uh, Asana of Ice and Fire system, which I think does intrigue very well. Yeah, that's a great, um, great game. But uh, um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I do like how you uh, refer to Rifts as the, the finger gun game, so I, I think going forward, <laughs> I think that's the term I'm going to use. Finger, <laughs> finger gun game. <laughs> Uh, James V in the chat wanted to know about the paperback that's under the name Stu Venable Jr. That is my name, but they don't allow a suffix for the the author title. And if you put the if I put Junior in it, it makes that my last name. <laughs> so yay Amazon! So it's just Stu Venable. That one is probably not available for purchase either. You want the one that has the rock on the cover. If I could delete it, I would, but all I could do is make it not available. Amazon remembers everything. You want the one with the rock? <laughs> uh, who would it like wasn't to... a rock. <laughs> it was a rock. Oh, by the way, speaking, no, speaking of music, have you guys seen Eurovision Song Contest, the, the Fire Saga story? No, that's the show for Stu. It's on Netflix. Never even heard of this. It's a Will Ferrell vehicle. Will Ferrell thing. Oh, oh! I know what you're talking about. Oh, I saw it, and I wanted to watch it when I saw the trailer. Oh, my God. It looks hilarious. It is awesome. I bought the soundtrack. The soundtrack, oh. the, the production value of the songs in the soundtrack is phenomenal. And the lyrics are the corniest lyrics you could ever have. Which is just like the Eurovision Song Contest. It's amazing. It is such a good movie. It's like when a mighty wind when it came out, and I had to listen to the soundtrack over Again, and over and over. See, oh, if you put hackneyed, horribly written music in a movie, I'm gonna love it. <laughs> Spinal Tap, <laughs> a mighty you wind. Think of Hamilton? wind. I haven't seen Hamilton yet. Oh, um, in it's fact, so good. I'm, I'm probably gonna watch it tomorrow with my daughter. So good because she's watching it for the twelfth or thirteenth time. Yeah, sounds right. We, we were supposed to go in July for our anniversary, or no? It was supposed to be earlier than that. Oh, no. Um, so I got. I was so happy to see it on Disney. It was really good. Did uh, Did it give you a rain check to for later? Or? No, we got a full refund. Oh, got a refund. Pantages just shut down. They're like, we're not going to see you until next year. Have a good life. Right. One of uh, One of the boggards uh, uh, bought tickets for he and I to go see the Letterkenny live show, and they actually said. Hold on to your tickets. We will tell you what dates your tickets will be good for whenever it happens. If you want a refund, we'll give you one. But if you want to make sure you get to see the show, because they sell out fast, just hold on to your tickets, and, and at some point in the future, there will be, that will happen. So, But Eurovision, i got to say, it is, the, it, it is a sweet film. It's has a good heart to it. It's got a fun story, and the, so, some of the actors. There's, I can't remember the name of the actor. The guy that plays the, the the Russian entry into the Eurovision contest. That guy almost steals the entire show. He is so funny. <laughs> um, and that they use uh, Will. Will uh, I was going to say Will Smith. Will Ferrell um, sings his own stuff in it, and he's got a decent voice. He's not bad. Mm. But the other actors, they use professional singers for their voices, and like his. 
the the the, the female lead uh, Secret, the woman who sings her songs has the most gorgeous voice I've ever heard in my life. She's just amazing. But if you haven't seen that movie, I strongly suggest you watch it. Even if you're not a Will Ferrell fan, because I've talked to people who've watched it and liked it and hate Will Ferrell. Okay. So, uh, who would like to read A Peaceful City from Adam in Utah? Or should I read it? I can read it. Okay. It's a short one, so I'll take it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a. Jackers. Heard you needed emails, so I thought I'd oblige. Thank you so much for the advice on my previous question about running deities. Even though it came long after I ran the session, <laughs> it's influenced upcoming story beats. On that note, my campaign has taken a major turn. Well, they always. What started as a horror-themed monster hunter game has turned into a high-seas pirate adventure. Let's be clear, I love that this happened, and it's why I love this hobby, but it has presented the problem of prep. In planning the various islands, I had an idea for a city whose citizens are retired sailors and adventurers who are just over it. This, combined with the geographic location, makes it a peaceful town, not by law, but by humanity and soreness. My question is twofold. How do you run a peaceful city without making the players think there's some dark, sinister secret? Because, of course, they will. Of course. What activities or events would you, as a player, like in one of these peaceful cities? And, as always, your show is a delight. Keep it up, stay safe, and stay thirsty. Adam from Utah. He didn't give us a PS to take a drink. I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like you, Adam. He said stay thirsty. Mm. Oh, Maybe right. he specifically and Depending on where in Utah he's from, that might, that might be code. It might be mineral water. <laughs> Man, I was so angry the first time I found out I was in a dry county and that dry counties exist. <laughs> no, no, you, you can't get a beer here. What do you mean I can't get a beer here? Well, if you order a steak, you can. Or if you join a club. Yeah. This is a dry county. Have I, have I told my... Dry county... Have I told my what, the, my Gen Con story about trying to buy alcohol in Indianapolis? Ooh. Buying, I think you've told it before, but I don't remember it. Buying alcohol in Indianapolis is like trying to go to a, a cannabis uh, d- uh, dispensary here. Mm-hmm. There's tons of security. You go inside this room. You give them your ID. You sign stuff. And then they buzz you through to a door. And, and you're still not, nowhere near the alcohol. Then you come to another counter and you tell them what they want and they bring it to you. They ring it up and they put it in a bag and then you get to leave. But it, it it's weird. It's not like that you go into weird. a store and just buy alcohol. I thought it was bad enough in Colorado you couldn't get alcohol at grocery stores. Yeah. When I, when I moved to L.A., I was like, wow, you can just buy alcohol anywhere. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. And now you can almost buy pot everywhere. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, back to his question. All right. Well, I have I had thought on this. I, I think that um, one thing I would do is demonstrate through the behavior of the citizens of this peaceful city that it actually is peaceful. So what I would do is have somebody threaten the city in some way, maybe like a big festival is going on, everybody's out playing music, eating, feasting, and like some asshole comes in and messes things up. And then the entire town just fortifies around this one asshole and pushes them the hell out. Say, no, mm-hmm. we don't do that here. Right. And and then, you know, that gesture would tell every player, like, oh, well, yeah, well, they're on the up and up. I mean, seriously, who else would do that? Well, they might consider them all to be mind-controlled, because if they all do thing at once, <laughs> uh, you know, surrounded non-believer, they're going to flip the fuck out. I guess that, that that's a good point. Yeah, they could I mean, be zealots. Just, the I think, personally, just have them be normal people. Right? 
I mean, you're going to have people who are dicks. You're going to have people who are not dicks. Um, if the culture is around being peaceful, which is not breaking the law or not fighting, um, it'd be like, you know, somebody wants to get into a fighter of like a player does, and everybody's like, whoa, 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 we don't do that here. I think I think you're you're confused, but like, uh, I, I would take it one step further and say, you know, meet them at the edge of a blade and say, you know, don't bring your bull to our tea shop, and uh, <laughs> you know, don't start none, won't be none. You know, sometimes when you when you start with violence, people kind of get the hint. Sometimes they want to test the limits. Right, and the par- <laughs> and you got to be ready for the party to want to test those limits because they might. You never know. <laughs> the, the the one thing I, I would wonder is <clears throat> if this is a, if this is a town that's made up mostly of people of people who are old adventurers who are just over that that lifestyle. You may have a town full of extremely dangerous people, mm-hmm. and you don't want to start a fight here because the. The guy who's sweeping the floor in the general store may very well turn around and just kick your ass with the, break the broom handle off and quarterstaff you to death. It turns out he killed the last black dragon. Right. Right. <laughs> right. With a stab. Right the, the Rick and Morty episode when they went to the Purge planet and, um, you know, everybody was all nice and sweet, but when the sun came down, they were murderers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really good at it. One thing we we had at East Jesus because you know we are peaceful, we don't fight each other. But you know people will come in and visit us. Um, if somebody's being a dick, then it's just you need to leave. Right. You need to leave right now. You don't come into my house and do this. Right. So anywhere that people are, or they can even see like somebody else coming off the ship, and they're in like uh, just in a general store, and the guy, the store owner's like, "You need to get the fuck out of here." You don't, you're not allowed to do that here. Who are you? Why are you in my house? I thought this was a store. This is my house. This is my place. You need to get out of here. And if it tries to make trouble, then all the other people come around. Because that's what would happen if we were having a party. If we had, like, 100 people uh, over there and somebody's a problem, once I start interacting with them, if they are pushing back, everybody else around is suddenly interacting with them. And right. they get the message. Because it, we don't want fights, right? You know, we don't I think want if, there's, if there are lots of islands, you, I, I would lead with a strong flavor, a la Star Trek, because they may or may not be on this island forever. They may be on this island one adventure, and so I kind of lean in to the strong flavors, so that this place is a memorable place. It was a very kind of special thing. If there's no. If there's no uh, scenario or adventure that could kind of kick off here, um, don't be subtle. Mm. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I'm in favor of never being subtle. Well, <laughs> players don't get subtle no. until they do. Right. <laughs> oh, they go. Oh, that's what you're trying to do. Oh. And, yeah. and the, the other the thing is, and, and Tappy kind of mentioned this. I wouldn't make everyone happy and friendly. Because if everyone they meet is happy and friendly, they're always going to expect that something's up. Someone's mind controlling them, or they're all part of a cult, or something's going on. But if you make, the, if some of the people aren't friendly and aren't nice, but they're not going to, you know, get into a fight with you because you know, they either don't want to or they don't need to, then, I mean, and that, that, that might help 
if, if you have, if not everyone there is friendly and affable, I think that will help sort of assuage their fears that there's some sinister dark secret. Mm-hmm. Especially if they start thinking that. If you start hearing them say that to each other or say that to you, then having like a curmudgeon like Stu show up. We go, oh, okay. <laughs> these guys, these aren't. <laughs> There's no way that guy's mind controlled. <laughs> they're not. They're not communists. <laughs> and the other thing, the other thing I would wonder is, it, it, this is more kind of on a world a world building question is, you know, is this city part of some larger state or is it its own city state? Is it stateless? Because it could. I mean, it, it's possible if you've got enough people who are all dangerous enough to be able to take care of themselves, you may not need a state. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that's why it's peaceful. It's because everybody just minds their own, right? And, the, and it turns. Go ahead. It's like each one of them is a nuclear bomb, right? Right. <laughs> if you have like a level twenty like wizard, that guy, that person can go out and destroy an army themselves, and you know we're two hundred and fifty of these, right? Stay the fuck away, exactly. Or come on by and don't cause trouble, mm-hmm. but. You know, the only people nice understand, right? And the only people who understand old adventures are old adventures, right? We don't want trouble anymore. We don't want kings coming up and giving us like saying you need to do this for us. You just want to leave. Just leave me alone. My knees hurt, back aches. Like I got too many magical items like in my cellar. I need a hip replacement, but they haven't invented those yet. <laughs> now, what if somebody starts? If somebody starts a combat, you could give them some coaching. <laughs> oh, look, you're doing this wrong. Uh, when you hold your sword, you want to. <laughs> it was like oh, I know how to fight. Okay, maybe you do. Right? That's where you're from? Your funeral. <laughs> Now his second uh, question. Condescending to everybody. Yeah, what, what, right. what activities or events would you like to see? I think there should be porch time, where all the old adventurers come out, like <laughs> grunt as they sit down. Oh, well, you yeah, they all make dad noises. Yeah, the sun's coming down a bit. It's a little, a little cool at night, right? If you have a, a party of people who haven't heard everybody's stories. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one thing that's really fun that, again, is a, is a slab thing is there's a guy uh, built himself a stage because he wanted to be a rock star. Um, he's not a rock star, but um, every Friday night, everybody comes in for an open mic. So the entire, like, all the slabs, which sometimes is around, like, a thousand people, comes to this place. Why well, don't they all a thousand? But a whole bunch of people come to this place, and that's when people talk and people do their things, and you know, there's all the mingling and people are playing music, and then the rest of the time they say to themselves, because again, like old adventures, they don't know everybody's stories. They talk to everybody. You know, they want to sit on the porch and be left alone. Right. But there might be a thing that brings everybody together, and that's when you get stories. That's when you get people talking. That's when old rivalries happen. But uh, in general, nobody wants to fight because they've all been fighting for too long. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, and a tavern in a place like this would probably... would be a really boring place. Yep. As I'm thinking about it. 
I was thinking I was I was going to see the exact opposite. No, it would be it would be a really boring place. There wouldn't be fights because no one no one wants to get a fight with anyone else because they're all dangerous, <laughs> and you might you're not going to come out unscathed. And and they I mean, they, but they probably have they probably have like sing along nights. It's like an it's almost like an adventures retirement community. Yes, <laughs> it's like Leisure World for adventurers, right? <laughs> They get really into tic tac toe. I mean, really into table <laughs> slipping. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. They probably maybe they have maybe there's you know oh tonight's round five of the chess tournament. Yeah, you should come and Back watch. Gaming. It's riveting. <laughs> Backgammon. <laughs> I, I like the scene from the karate flicks where the two guys they size each other up, and uh, one kind of pays the other a compliment because in their minds they've already had the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. They already figured it. Both of them already know who would would have won. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, th- thank you very much, uh, Adam from Utah, for the email. We appreciate it. Um, I'll who, take what? the next one. Okay. Go ahead. Hello, everyone. Hello. Light on emails. Oh, sorry. Concept of good and evil from MRCJ. Hello, everyone. Hello. Light on emails. Well, when you get to the bottom of the barrel you will see me looking right back up at you. So here's a thought about how role-playing has progressed through the years and something kind of odd. When you're old like me and Stu, J.I.B. Jib. Jib. J.I.B. and Stork, if you lived through the years of the satanic panic and bad, bothered about Dungeons and & Dragons, and wanted the 60-minute, and watched the 60-minute story and the Jack, the Jack Chit track and the friend's parent freaking out... Here's the part, here's a strange part of the time when I think D&D and AD&D of that era, the early 80s, that game, which was built on the concept of good versus evil. The main thrust of the way the game was designed seemed to be for good, the players, to overcome evil. It might not be the way it was played by 16-year-olds, but it was the way it seemed to be created. Yeah. When I think of the character classes, alignments, the alignments of all the all the player races, for example, for instance, were flavors of good, and the modules, as used for, as used for how the game should be played, it all pushed the players to act as agents of good, whenever that, whatever that might be. It seemed that at the moment, at that moment in time, it was never more clear that the players were supposed to embrace being on the side of good. Maybe it's my perspective. It seems like concepts about good and evil are not as baked into game design as it used to be in the early D and D. Much of the time, concepts are simply ignored. Games like GURP, Savage Worlds, Tales from the Loop, many other games released from the 90s on seem to ignore the concepts altogether. It's not relevant to what the design is communicating. Most games in modern settings don't seem to address the issue, even most superhero games. Further, some games like Vampire and maybe many White Wolf games are elevated evil or have designed players to take on monstrous behavior as part of the character concept and the game in general. It seems like in many more recent games, the concept of good and evil are more ambiguous. What do you think? MRCJ. I'll let you guys uh, respond while I breathe. I think it's a a good thing. I I think that games that explore the texture of ethics and morality as a relative beast is way more interesting than supernatural good and supernatural evil. I mean, I think that we know in the real world, absolute evil and absolute good are hard to define. 
And especially when you start slathering evil across entire races, it gets problematic. Um, I like games that are complex in that way. In fact, I design games that are just because um, it's more interesting than I am bad and you are good. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm big on moral ambiguity in games. I love moral ambiguity. I, I remember I threw in the, 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 the first D&D campaign I ran after my long game hiatus, the one that Tappy was in, the fourth edition game. The party came across a village that had been ransacked or had had been raided multiple times by a bunch of goblins. I don't know if you remember this. And so the party figured out where the goblin village was, and they go there, and there's only adult male goblins. Because someone had went and kidnapped all of the women and children goblins and were holding them ransom and forcing the goblins to go out and do, do these raids. And... It broke many of the minds of the players <laughs> to suddenly realize. Wait, so Wait. these goblins aren't evil. <laughs> goblins are people too, <laughs> right? Right. And and they're like, but 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 and and, and they and then they started acting like murder hobos and and some of them went no 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 stop stop no this is this is like this is the wrong thing to do. <laughs> we, we shouldn't be killing these goblins for some reason, though we're not quite sure why. <laughs> but I, I love that kind of moral ambiguity when you know the especially when you take you put the players in a position where they have their 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 assumptions about what the situation should be like in their own minds and all of a sudden it's all turned on their head and they're like I think we might be the baddies. Yeah. <laughs> There's skulls on our uniforms. <laughs> We've got skulls on uniforms. Um I had an interesting situation in the uh, Traveler game that I ran uh, way back with Bill where I made all of these cultures that were supposed to be relatively dystopian. Uh, or were, actually, they all were dystopian. Um, they're supposed to be fucked up, and all of these factions were kind of like going against each other and the players. My idea was that they're just sort of going to navigate through this world and just kind of see what happens. Um, and Bill's character, or uh, really, Bill found out what happened in one of the cultures and was like, that's super fucked up. We need to change that. And so, like, the morality of the character is defined what the game was going to be about. And that's a good thing. But <clears throat> me determining that that thing was, uh, like, unambiguously bad. Um, I think would have had a very different uh, feel on the game. You know what I mean? Like, there. Have you guys seen The Good Place? Mm-hmm. I um, love it. That that idea of like some actions are always good and some actions are always bad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is that something that you want in your game or hard coded into your game, like D and D? And for me, I think it's much more interesting when you're trying to figure out your morality or your player's morality. I mean, that's kind of like a cool thing to just sort of sit and ponder is like, as opposed to who is my character's family, it's like, you know, how does my character's morality play out? Like, um, uh, so yeah, um... I think that's. A, I think it's a lot more interesting to let the players figure that out than you, and but don't take it easy on them and give them something that you know. Because I didn't think that people would freak out that much about this one thing, um, uh, and in hindsight, I should have. 
But uh, I think it's a lot more interesting to have it be player-led if there's any sort of morality. Um, I like this letter because he was talking... I, well, A, I was there in the 80s <laughs> during the satanic panic. Yeah, so was and I. So, yeah. um, I was alive. You know, I, 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 was, I was telling people that, you know, <laughs> that's not what D&D is about. Um, <laughs> but I feel like it's interesting because he's kind of tracking a... Tra- uh, the trajectory in the 90s, you know, suddenly Wolverine became the most popular character for Marvel Comics. This guy who could and would kill even though he was a superhero. And I think that was really part of the zeitgeist. Um, that you had these people, these dirty, hairy types who, you know, might have to go beyond the law to get to right, you know. I mean, um, uh, 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 what's the name of that comic book? Seminole Watchmen. Oh, you know, yeah. Came out yeah. In, the late, in the late 80s and really kind of start picking up uh, a, a, a audience in the 90s. And it's really about this gray kind of thing. There are no heroes in that book. Yeah. Right, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think that was really a popular, you know, kind of almost flashback hangover to maybe the Nixon years or maybe... Uh, you know, Iran Contra, whatever. Um, <clears throat> I feel like in a lot of story games, I see a lot of this. You should be good. Like the way you play this game is you orient yourself for good. Um, but what I see, like with Apocalypse World, a lot more often is a is an idea about politic. Go do what you want. Go kill who you want. But there'll be consequences. You know and. It's interesting because it's not good or evil anymore. It is kind of like half what the players want to bring and half like what the GM responds to. And um, yeah, it, it's 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 a it's an interesting thing. Like what these games like don't have a Judeo Christian grounding in what is good anymore. That that's almost almost kind of like the, the 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 concept of morality from within or morality imposed from without. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and, and I mean, D and D with the alignments and all that stuff is definitely a, 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 a morality imposed from within. I mean, the character is good or the character is evil, right? But it, when it when you decide you're going to be good because you simply want to avoid the consequences mm-hmm. of, of doing certain things. That's a very, it, it's still a kind of morality, but it's a very different kind of morality. And that's a right. very different kind of world that it would exist in. Because the world where morality is internal is, is very black and white. It's very no gray areas mm-hmm. on or off. Whereas the, 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 the external imposed morality, for lack of a better term, is, is, always going to be a gray area it's, there's always going to be questions on what the right thing is to do and i, I right. really prefer the latter i really do you know, the, i think there's risk in engineering a game where there is uh, a right and a wrong as part of the machine i mean we have uh over through human history uh, dealt with the fact of somebody thought they were immeasurably right about doing something oh sure against somebody who they thought was immeasurably wrong about being a certain way and when you when you hard code that like good versus evil, 
I mean, and, and it comes from Tolkien, and I get it. I mean, there's sort of a, a literature precedent, precedent to this. Sure. But I, I think you run the risk in that because, you know, there, there's always going to be outside of that. There's always going to be outside of that. And so, and, and you're, you're always going to be in a position as a player where you're trying to impose what you think upon the game world. And, and that, I don't think we need to play that fiction necessarily. I mean, we, we played it out uh, time and time again. We should probably play fiction that that gets into the uh, the matter or what, who you are as a character so we can play out drama that naturally comes from it as opposed to saying, well, this is dramatic because it's evil. It's more interesting to say, well, this is dramatic because I think that's evil. And um, right. and that's this is a different... I think that's an evolution in gaming. I don't think that it's a, a I problem. Agree. In fact, I like that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what, uh, well, what, 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 oh, go ahead. Oh, um, I just want to say that with Tolkien... I think one of the reasons why it is such like a clash between good and evil only has that like real strong like concept of it. Again, it's back towards those World War One roots where the Germans were definitely bad. Yeah. There was no ambiguity there in in England. The Germans World War One? That war was I, I, I think that war I, might I, have I been disagree. Inevi- I think that war no, might have been inevitable even if the I Germans that, had not attacked. I didn't think that the Germans were bad in reality. I think in England, oh, his, they felt his the Germans were okay. bad. Got it. It's but a very he, different he, thing. I, like, I think he hung he out at a theology college, and I feel like he was really... I, I don't want to get, yeah. <laughs> get flamed, so I, I feel like uh, <laughs> I, 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 will, I, will, I, will slightly, I will say that I feel like uh, Tolkien was really trying to cast uh, the nobler characters as people who needed, who, who could go either way. You know, the elves and the dwarves had just finished fighting a war, you know, and the hobbits didn't really judge them. They were just glad the war was over. Right. But they all needed to get together and stop the evil enemy from the South because those people from the South, they were going to come take over and they were really evil. <laughs> That's interesting. Has it, have any of you seen? There's a movie about him. On yeah, that, like, it's, I didn't it's know pretty it was softball. Out. Is it? Is it's what? It's pretty softball. Oh, is it really? Him. Oh, yeah. okay. That's too bad. All right, uh, but the, the thing I wanted to mention was about because like both of the games I'm running right now are not the games I I really wish I had started running if I had known there was going to be a global pandemic. Because both of the games I'm running right now are really heavy. Because I'm running Vampire. And that's a game where the player characters are not... They're not good people. They're just not. I mean, Stork's playing a character who's like kind of trying to be a good person. And and his character is kind of like... Probably the most... Mo- he always plays oddball characters. It's probably the most moral vampire I've ever had in a, in a, in a vampire campaign. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he took the, the, there's a thing in 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 fifth edition called uh, bagger, so he does not feed off of people. He he keeps a supply of bagged blood. Like does he have two eight eight? What's two eight eight? So bagger two eight eight. No, <laughs> no he he dr- he drinks blood that's been donated to like blood banks and stuff like that. And he Taking away from patients who need it. Okay, there's, there's, that, that's the possibility too. But if I brought that up, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to wait, stay here, and wait until I fall into torpor." <laughs> but he, he does, he does feed because he has a herd. But 
it's just it, it i mean they they're they're vampires are parasites and and that is kind of he- and the other game i'm running is which is going to start back up not this weekend but i think next weekend is call of cthulhu and the players aren't evil but they are verging on the edge of insanity constantly but i'm super evil <laughs> because i'm i'm running the the you know the cosmic horror monsters that are trying to you know get their toe in the under the tent flap of our reality so i kind of wish right now i was running a comedy game because that's what I really want to be running at. And maybe I'll talk to the players and see if maybe... Because they might all be willing be on board to change the Call of Cthulhu game to something to more change. slapstick. Something more yeah, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> no, we'll still use the same rules. The, the floating like, vagabond. Right. <laughs> but to get something that's more... Just more a little more lighthearted, I guess. Uh-huh. Because I mean, right, right now, that, that, those are just those are just tough games to run right now. Yeah, I've been feeling it with which I think that part of the secret is to like drive into the issues and make change that's positive, so that you can see hope as a in, even in a dark game. I mean, the, the Great American Witch is really dark. Um, they're in the Rust Belt; it's falling apart economically, financially, socially, and um, and these witches are just trying to keep it all together. Um, but I, we're trying to infuse some positive. I mean, this, the, the u- unity of the of the coven and how they're trying to support the community. Big Thanksgiving dinner, bringing in all the people that are homeless from the train station in, and uh, you know, there's moments like that that just kind of like I think if you have a tough game, maybe lean into the hope. There was a moment when um, the, one of the transgender characters was outed to her father, who was the minister of one of the mega churches in the Midwest. And um, as kind of a surprise to everybody, the father said, well, you are as God made you. And um, what do I call you? Which I think inverting some of the horror and turn it into hope. Right. Might be our job as game masters, you know, and try to like feed some of that in. Or or you could have the elder surfing god, Gnarly Hotep. I remember someone, someone sent us a someone sent us a, a, a portrait of Gnarly Hotep. Do you remember that? <laughs> I can't remember who it was, and I probably have it around here somewhere. But it looks like it looks like Narlathotep, but he's on a but he's on a surfboard. He's like, <laughs> uh-huh. that's it. Surf guitar I in the background. The, the great thing is we have games in this crazy, crazy time to distract us from reality. Yeah. Yes, and uh, allow us to reset. And you know that's the beautiful part. And I, I, I don't know that this guy was necessarily judging what games were, but, you know, sometimes you just, you, you, it, 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 it might feel good to, you know, say we're going to go kill everything. And sometimes, you know, it feels good to make everything nice. Yeah, yeah looking at your ethics doesn't mean you're going to find the right way. Sure. Right. Right. Because it turns out there isn't or else ethics would not be something that people still study and talk about. Um, like I, for example, kind of believe that if you're looking for a Hogwarts house, your ethics, your personal ethics are the best way to determine where you're going to be. Uh, cause, uh, Gryffindors are consequentialists. Like they, uh, believe that the ends, uh, justify the means, which is why they're so dangerous. Uh, <laughs> right? I 
Because they'll do. I love that. I thing. mean, this is this is a right thing to do, and I can do whatever I want. And they're to make sure the right thing to happen. The Slytherins are Epicureans, and the Slytherins it's a form of hedonism. But so they're trying to maximize their own pleasure. But part of that is maximizing that around others, or else you're just going to be eat, drink for tomorrow we may die and everything goes to hell. Right. It's more of like a noblesse oblige that trying to do. It's like, oh, well, I will scratch your back, mm-hmm. but you will do this for me and you will do this for me and all that. And every th- all the structures that they put together, the most moral thing you can do for a Slytherin is to set it up so that you are at the top of it. Then you can take care of the most number of people and you maximize your own pleasure. Right. Um, I think that um, Hufflepuffs are uh, Kantians. Where oh, there I'm are sorry, good, what? they're what? Uh, Emmanuel Kant. Oh, 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 Emmanuel Kant. Kant. Okay. Um, so Is it real there, are, there are good <laughs> actions and there are bad actions. Right? Uh, like loyalty is good. Friendship is good. These are always good actions. You know, betrayal is bad. Being mean to people is bad. And that allows them to uh, kind of put together these lives where it's very easy to support the people around them. Uh, and then Ravenclaws are more of like, uh, like the, I forget what the school of, of Greek ethics is, but it, basically the idea is the most moral thing you can do is learn about everything because then you are the person in the world who has the best idea of what is moral. So basically just be a nerd. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I'm with the Ravenclaws. Right, so it's like I should just learn more. Then I can make better decisions. When I make better decisions, I can make more moral decisions. And so I think that's a way better thing than doing it, rather than not like you like the color red, right, or, or what have you. Because <laughs> I think people people will group together also based on ethics and based on morality, but they're not like so. What's your morality? Right, right. It's just like you know, there are certain groups where. Giving each other a bunch of guff is just kind of how it goes. I don't know. Um, you go to the South, one of the first things people ask you when they meet you, where you go to church? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're Lutheran, get out. <laughs> um, some, uh, uh, Master Vidar uh, gave me a link to a crafty games game called Exorcism. I haven't looked <laughs> at it, but I'm imagining that's sort of like maybe a comedic... like. Cosmic horror game? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do comedy games. I, I, that would be hard. Yeah, I, I don't need a comedy game. The comedy can just happen organically. <clears throat> but like, we had a we had a very serious tone conversation about Call of Cthulhu. It's like we want to run a dark Call of Cthulhu game, and now it's like I don't really want to do it. You, you can run Call of Cthulhu light. I mean, like the time I did the movie monster in right. 1930s. Oh, but know. the way things are set up right now, I mean, we left with a. We left with a. Um, this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't listened to that AP. We left with a. The party realized that that because um, I, I sort of wrote out part of the King King in Yellow. I kind of found a little bit of stuff about it and sort of expanded on it a little bit. And the party read this sort of synopsis of it because they refused. No, one of them actually I think actually read the play, and and I gave like a synopsis of it, and and they're realizing. That what's going on right now in Washington D.C. with Harding, because they had a premonition about that, is very Vincent similar, Harding? huh? President, President, President Harding. Yeah, it's 1923, July, so he's still alive. Um, 
and the, the the party realized that there was a bunch of parallels between that and the story of uh, Casilda and the king. Uh, I can't remember the king's name, Ardonis or whatever it was. But the the three main characters and all of the stuff that they're working on, and then they see almost a similar scene amongst Harding and the first lady and his daughter, and they realize, oh my god, they're going to they're the ones that are going to bring about Pastor's return. So now they're on a boat back because they they figured this out in England. Now they're on a boat back to America, and I'm like. Are they, you know, is is Harding going to die from pneumonia, or is the party going to assassinate him? <laughs> I I don't know. So I mean that 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 storyline where it's going, it's got to play out. However, it's going to play out. But I and I, I at this point, I don't want to turn the game into a comedy game because, I mean, the promise I made when we started that that campaign is we were going to run a serious Call of Cthulhu game that was not going to be Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I don't want to break that promise, but it, boy, it's tough to run that kind of stuff right now. I think if you wrote this into Happy Jacks, Stu would say it's okay for you to take a break. Well, I mean, I have been <laughs> taking a break. I've been taking a break because I, I, I we went on hiatus before Fair was supposed to start, and I've only been running the the vampire game since then. But now the game that took my place while while Fair was running is over, and, and now it's time to start that. I don't know. I'll talk to the players, and we'll figure out how we want to handle it. Sounds like you need a palate cleanser. May I recommend the happiest apocalypse on Earth? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about, like, a like a GURPS typical fantasy game where the party goes out, and they sit and bicker with each other and fight and get in, get in skirmishes and then go on wild adventures and save the world from evil. Because you're so, not going to save the world from evil in Call of Cthulhu. You're only going to put it off for a little while. And go crazy in the process. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless you're already crazy and then you thought you did. But right. you don't know. Exactly. Now, uh, let, uh, thank you, MRCD. Anything else about his email? Or should we go ahead and move on to the the uh, horror story? Let's do the horror story. Now, it's uh, long, so Tappy, if you want to split it in two, I'm happy to... Yeah, let's, let's do, do that. You, do you want me to start or do you want to start? Uh, why... Don't I start? Okay. Horror story from Muddy Boots. Uh, greetings, you wastrels, grognards, boggards, laggards, and all the wonderful people who elevate you to decency. This is Muddy Boots, writing to you from a lockdown New York City. I promise some store horror stories. Here is one. I'm a professional stagehand working in New York. At least I was until somebody tripped over the plug and the whole industry went dark. Right. Tape, you fools, tape. <laughs> I I already like this. You know, gaffer's tape, is re- <laughs> gaffer's tape is really expensive. Oh, man. So, one time, uh, I have a gaffer tape story. One time at Bernie Man, I was using gaffer tape on an so. art car that was like this giant uh, uh, Cheshire cat. And so I was rip. I put it in my mouth to rip like the gaffer tape and put it up. Full not tape. realizing that gaffer tape is so sticky, it will stick to the inside of your lips. Yes. And I found that out <laughs> oh when God. I ripped off the entire inside of my lip oh. a few days before Bernie Man started. A good time like this all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. That was, that was a great time. <laughs> so don't, don't rip gaffer tape with your teeth no. is, uh, is the lesson that I want everybody to know here. All right. Okay. Um... This story comes from the backstage community. Um, in the late 90s, a loadout brought a collection of people together overnight. RPGs became the agreed-on topic of discussion. 
Everybody either played or wanted to try them. Of the dozen or so people working, a handful decided to actually put a game together and agreed to run it. He agreed two to us. Right. Oh, I agreed to run it, yeah. Uh, two of us were grognards. One played it as a kid, but his girlfriend wanted to try it. And two brand new. The other grognard suggested his place, since it was big enough, had a table and was centrally located. After Calendar Twister, we picked a date and time. A couple of days later, Bob, the guy whose girlfriend wanted to play, told me we had to play at his place. Oh dear. Uh, his girlfriend, who I'm going to call Beth, insisted that we all come over to their place in the East Village. She wanted to make it an event. Well, she wanted to be a hostess. She wanted right. to host and, and like, yeah, right, sure. Yeah. And so once she decided it was going to be somebody else's place, she demanded it would be at her place. Uh, this was the first warning sign ignored. Uh, of course, they lived in a decrepit loft in Alphabet City, a long walk from any trains and not convenient to anyone. What, I, I don't. Does anyone know anything about New York? What is Alphabet City? No one knows. No. I know where the East Village is, but yeah, I've heard of that. I've never heard of Alphabet City. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, we're West I have Coast. no idea. Um, Bob promised to do barbecue chicken to sweeten the deal. Uh, his chicken was always good and an effective bribe. We played phone tag and set it up at the new location. On the appointed day, we all trekked out to Avenue D. Uh, I was carrying a backpack full of game books and a couple sixes of beer. I arrived early for the 2 p.m. start and was pleasantly surprised to see food was almost done. At least there was food and drink, which was always questionable with Beth. Uh, the place had good light, a lot of space, and a four by eight foot table. Awesome the loft was probably gorgeous in the fifties. <laughs> a big front space with south-facing windows and a hallway going back to bed and bathrooms. Bob was in a slightly better than usual mood, and Beth was her usual over-the-top self. She is a singer, songwriter, waitress. Um, I mean, actor. Uh, I only knew her loosely through Bob. Next to arrive was Tim, the other experienced player, also bringing beer. Lastly arrived our other newbies with two more sixes. I'll call them Jen and Jane. They were both fresh out of college and both great to work with. They were and still are a great couple, very generous and inclusive. We had planned to do four hours, eat dinner, and do four more. Wow. Long that game. changed right away because Jen and Jane had picked up a big money loadout at 10 so we would have to leave just after dinner. No problem, I thought. This is an intro session, so we will do five and eat, then whatever. Um, everybody met or caught up while we sat at the table. Beth was introduced to Jen and Jane. Beth immediately started being weird. Oh, wow, you are such cute lesbians. I had a girlfriend in college. Everybody politely laughed. Tim passed out cold beer while rolling his eyes. The game was D&D 3.0. I had handed out a bunch of pre-gens and blank sheets. We talked about character creation and goals. We did all the stuff you'd normally do nowadays in Session Zero. Everybody agreed that we should do a short travel from a port city to a smaller town in search of an old tomb. We decided to actually make characters. Uh, we skipped parts, deciding to fill in as we went. Jen and Jane were intrigued, and I left them with Tim to guide them. I worked with Bob and Beth, the more difficult pair. Bob played, quote, a fighter, I guess, end quote, and 
Beth insisted on being a bard. I tried All to singer-songwriters want to be bards, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bard didn't really fit in with what everybody said they wanted to do. Uh, Bob tried to ask me some questions, and every time, Beth interrupted him. Sometimes she would physically get in front of him. The process went on that way. Anytime, every time somebody tried to ask a question, Beth got in the way. She kept up the rude remarks about Jen and Jane. At one point, asking Tim how he was enjoying his threesome. What? Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were all getting uncomfortable with her behavior. Uh, with character creation complete, we had another quick discussion. You, you, should I start from here? Because you, you're past half. Oh, right? sure. Yeah, okay. I do it. With character creation complete, we had another quick discussion of goals, and everybody seemed to be back on board. We took a short break, and fresh beer was handed around. I started the story. I didn't railroad anything, but there was some hand-waving and some fast-forwarding to get to the fun parts. I even explained what I was doing as we went. Everyone agreed that they had met on a ship and shared uh, the story of a tomb. Um... So we were right on. So we started right on the dock. First steps: find lodging and gather information. They found an inn with the tap room. Um, the real trouble began then. Beth tried to hog the spotlight. She insisted on performing at the inn. I went along with it, but kept spreading the focus. She started to get more insistent as others tried to do things. Jen and Jane were working the room, finding out about the road ahead. Tim was buying horses and supplies. Bob was doing nothing. <clears throat> There's an ellipsis in there. Uh, after Beth <laughs> set, after Beth set a described, I described after Beth set. Sorry, her her musical set. I described uh, a reasonably good reception and some coppers in the hat. Beth got irate. I'm better than that. I deserve gold. We all think that when we. <laughs> Let me tell you what being in a band is like. Right. <laughs> uh, Jane tried to explain the economy, uh, doing a good job of it too. We shifted to Tim and and did some real fast in town stuff. Beth uh, pouted and Bob drank. Ruh row. Um, we were all nursing our beers, drinking socially, except Bob. Bob was power drinking. In the middle of Jen's turn, Beth announced she was going over to a table by herself in the corner of the tap room. I told her, okay, but let me finish with Jen. We were actually starting to get some good RP and the story co- and, and story cooperation going on. We made it through several rounds of interaction for everyone. Then in the middle, in the middle of Tim trying to settle the tab, Beth yells, I stabbed the guy next to me! I've played with players like this before. That's exciting. <laughs> It's like, this is getting boring. I'm going to kill somebody. That's exactly um, what happened. Yeah. Uh, of course of course she does. Um, I could see what was going on. I dealt with this kind of personality before. I stopped the action and asked if she really wanted, if that, if that is what she really wanted to do. Yes, I stab him. I then explained that could be, that could happen. I explained what could happen and why that isn't a good course of action uh, or even a good way to play, Beth insisted. The short of it is the bard was subdued, beaten, arrested, and no one else in the party was going to help. Thank God we made it to dinner. Things chilled chilled out after we ate and talked. 
Bob sobered up and came alive. Everybody was having fun, even with Beth being a petulant spotlight hog. Um, I had talked separately with everyone except him. His glances to me told me his opinion. After dinner, no, no, uh, Tim was the other grognard. Is that correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with everyone except Tim, his glances told me his opinion. After dinner, Jen and Jane had to head out, so we said our goodbyes and then left. Numbers reduced. We started back in. We made a point... Uh, we, we, I'm assuming that means that fewer people showed up to the next game. Uh, we made the plot twist to reduce the party size, uh-huh, and set out to buy the bard out of the clink. Uh, Bob was more animated, and he and Tim actually dug out some cool plot. I just followed them with a lot of yes, yes he does. Uh, making making it up from what they were interested in. Uh, ma- making it up from what they were interested in. Uh, Beth uh, let up the left turns, and I rationed Spotlight. Things were back on track, and we were actually having fun. So Beth got up and went down the hall. After about 20 minutes of solid play with just Tim and Bob, a call comes down the hall. Bob, can you come here? Bob said, I'll be right back, and went to see Beth. Meanwhile, Tim and I finished up some stuff. We were just getting to the point where we needed everyone to come back when we heard from down the hall, squeak, thump, squeak, thump, or squeak, thump, squeak, thump, thump, depending on what phase he was in, I'm assuming, uh, and so on. Rhythmically, Tim and I stared at each other with that, you have got to be kidding me, look. Tim broke into silence, whispering, we aren't leaving any, any of the beer, are we? I shook my head. No. <laughs> and we packed up no. and bugged out like Fafford and Grey Mouser, shadows in the night. <laughs> Tim, and I, Tim and I went to his place, drank all of the beer, and talked about gaming. Neither one of us saw or heard anything from Bob for a few weeks. We weren't scheduled to work together, but I thought he would at least call. Finally, I got home late one night, and there was a message on my machine from him. Um. Um. Hi, dude. Uh, <laughs> you know how... You know how to change locks, right? I'll give you $100 if you can help me do it. <laughs> okay, first off, what the fuck? You go to Home Depot, you buy a new lock, you find a screwdriver, and you change your fucking lock. These are people in New York. They can't even drive. I guess. $200 if you can come over as soon as you get this. I bought... I bought cylinders already. Oh, he's like hardcore. He's actually changing the cylinders rather than the whole assembly. That's impressive. I made a fast... Well, he... Stay chant. I made a fast $200 and got a huge apology. Beth got a new address that had that had been a long time coming, apparently. Jen and Jane jumped in with both feet. They are now married... They are married now and live out west someplace. Um, they are serious gamers, and Jane is a really good GM. Tim, Tim still plays, and I see him occasionally, usually working... Uh, Bob moved back to the southeast a decade ago. Like most horror stories, it's the people who are the real monsters. You can just see how social pressure and need for a game can make things worse. Now, with more life experience, I'd handle it differently. Lastly, no real names were used in this. They know who they are. Hope you enjoyed it. Cheers, Muddy Boots. P.S. This space intentionally left blank. (laughs) My no favorite one part about this email is that the is the epilogue. 
Like, like I'm feeling like closure on all of the, right. all of the characters. It's the life goes on scene at the very end of the film. <laughs> all right. Uh, any comments on that? Any? Any? So, what makes me feel bad about this is back in the the old days, there weren't a lot of women who felt welcome in gaming. Exactly. And yes. I feel like this. I, I saw this story happen, not not in all its gory details, but you know, plenty of times. And I feel like you know it. It's just weird. I wish. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I played uh, when I played GURPS in college. It was in the eighties, and uh, our gaming group existed damn near the whole time I was in college, five years. And during that time, I think we had two women come into and eventually leave the group, as well as numerous men. And it was it was very rare to have women in games back then. And then later on, uh, after, after I graduated, Bill and I became roommates, and we started running games, larger games, sometimes too large, like 12, 15 people. And, and then I remember... This one guy who was a player, he was a dice cheat, but he brought his girlfriend to one of the games. She'd never played a role-playing game before. And she came in, and she had a very, very high, almost a squeaky voice, almost sounded like Betty Boop. Do you know, are you familiar with who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, the, and, and we're playing, and she's being reasonably quiet. It helped her make a character, and they get in a fight. And she's like, I'm going to stab him. I'm going to stab him in the groin with my sword. <laughs> and I yep. died. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, yes, GURPS has rules for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but you, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes get uncomfortable when we get horror stories where the, the, the bad person in the horror story or the person from which the horror comes from is a woman because... We have been such an insular hobby for decades and, and really tried to like exclude women from the hobby, either either intentionally or just by being assholes, that I'm, I'm kind of reluctant even to read those stories sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was trying to get at. Yeah. But there's a certain point where I think there are couples gaming groups maybe. But I don't know if that's necessary. I think it, it's it's a it's a weird relationship thing. Well, you're taking you know, a group I've had dynamic. Who were like, I want to be part of everything you do, and it's just like no. Right. <laughs> well, it's like you take it. You, you have a group dynamic, and then within that group dynamic is a whole other dynamic. Yeah. That is way more. I mean, if you're talking about a married couple, at least way more important. Yeah. And then then what's going on around it, and. It, I don't know. I don't. But I mean, who knows? I don't know. I, I'm trying to think if I. I, don't know. I, I think a lot of it is with a lot what of is couples. the. Um, what is the intention of the new person coming in, and yeah. the intention of somebody in a couple, you know, gender agnostic, is I want to get my new partners or my partner's attention. Well, that means spotlight. 
And then you have these problems where this person doesn't know how to do that, that doesn't know like how role playing kind of is done and how you share spotlight and allow other people to do other things. They just want to be great so that this person can see that they're great. Or maybe they have just met all of these people and they want to show them how great they are. Right. And, to, to win. Right. And or also to like me. I want you guys to like me. Mm -hmm. Um and I mean, I've seen guys do this too, where oh, sure. they're so desperate to do that, like oh I'm okay, well I'm just gonna stab a guy. Or I'm gonna stab I'm gonna get into a fight with this person so you know, you all can see how great I am, or I'm going to jump off the cliff and onto the dragon. No, God, please don't do that. Um <laughs> Uh, I had I had a a um, a friend whose uh, new girlfriend came to a game who just didn't she didn't know how to wasn't really comfortable role playing but really really wanted to be a part of it and just kept on getting super frustrated more and more frustrated and then uh, my friend her girlfriend uh, they became their own unit in the group and this was uh, uh, Apocalypse World. So there is kind of like a gaming group of two and then another gaming group of three. And then these groups started, you know, bouncing off each other in a very similar way as who make threats, which is really cool to see. Um, but it became a problem. It became a big problem. And eventually the group of three killed the group of two and we ended the game. So, I mean, <laughs> it having new people in who don't, really get it and want and really want to be a part of it or really like the other people and want them to like them in the game I see that as much more of a problem than just relationships right uh, I think another thing going on here which I see with a lot of new players is the idea that I don't see where this is going I don't see the action I'm not getting the feedback I'm used to from entertainment so therefore I'm going to throw a hand grenade into it Right, exactly. And, and, and I will force the story to move forward. And, uh, you know, there's no antidote for that. And, you know, taking a fuck break in the middle, I don't think was appropriate at all. Uh, but, you know, trying to move the story break. forward, maybe. <laughs> you know, it saved them from having to do, like, another two hours of role-playing with them. Okay. I mean, really, that was that was the most generous thing she did. <laughs> I think um, there, there are ways to, to handle that. And I think... This, the you know I think they did a good job in, in as much as they could but I mean you, you, it's really about coaching them through it and then you know okay well maybe this is boring and I need to I need to as a GM introduce a conflict so we can get past this hump right th I do see that a lot with new players yeah, I think new players need like like little solo shots with like a couple of players where they get some attention and figure out if they even want this as opposed to coming into these big, you know, groups where they have to make their own space. It's almost like it's almost yeah. like you want to have not, not training wheels, but you yeah. want, you want to have you want to have some kind of like an introductory thing. It's like this is what role playing games are actually like. You know, See, I, it, I, go ahead. Well, I I think that people who want to play the game, if they're new, play the game. I think it's people who don't want to play the game. But want attention or people liking them and stuff like that, and I don't, I don't know if an introduction is going to help because oh, well, that's maybe, not the game they want to play. Well, I, I, I think it depends. I mean, I, I mean, 
I think that, that there are probably some players that come in with certain expectations because they hear the term game, and they assume there's winners and losers. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's that's something you just kind of have to people have to break out of their preconceptions of what a game can be. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, you're going to have those kind of people who are like, I want to be the center of attention all of the time, or I don't really want to do this, so I'm going to try to sabotage it, or whatever. But it, but I think I, I do think there are some players who honestly come in and, and want to try out the hobby, but they don't understand that it is not a win-lose Zero proposition. Game. Right, exactly. So, I don't, oh, I got to say... Um, James V said, but did she actually hit the dude in the groin? you got to finish the story, Stu. Uh, if I recall correctly, she rolled successfully, and I think she rolled almost max damage, and the guy was down. So, there you are. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a girl thing, Tappy. No. I agree. I, I, I mean, it's, it's a people thing. But I think even people who want attention and show up for the wrong reasons... Um, in, in the spirit of growing the, 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 the hobby, they might enjoy gaming if they had a, a, a training will session. Sure, to, hurdles. Like when I run games for kids, there's a lot of rules I just ignore, you know, and I, I stick to the story, I stick to the beats. But, uh, you know, this was a third edition, so really no help there. When, so when I was like 15, so like, what, almost 30 years ago now, Fuck I was rolls. playing L5R, <laughs> and I've told the story a bunch of times, and it was, my buddy Mitch was running like the first, uh, like, winter court game, and I wanted to be a fucking badass, like, crane samurai who could murder everybody, and I made it. Like, mm-hmm. I figured it out, and I made that character. <laughs> But I wasn't really interested in role-playing, even though I role-played a bunch. Like, I didn't even know I was. I thought I was interested in role-playing. I'm going to show everybody I'm going to have a great time doing this. But my intention was really, I want to show everybody how great I am at this, especially my martial artisan. I made an artisan character that, you know, I managed to, like, use specific rules to make it so I could basically kick anybody's ass ever. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to get into a fight. And the game was not getting into fights. And eventually I got kicked out of the game. Oh, really? I got into a fight and murdered somebody. And Mitch was like, you got it. I'm sorry, dude. This is not the game we're playing. You got to go. Wow. And like, you are absolutely correct. It was the right decision to make. But I knew what the game was. I knew how to play. I had been playing role-playing games at that point for like seven, eight years. So, again, I, I don't think it's like they don't know or it's like they don't know the rules. It's like, I was just so excited I wanted to get into a duel so badly. <laughs> yeah. I, want to get, I want to get into a duel. Have you tried Assassin's Creed? Um, well, I mean... <laughs> that might be the game for you. <laughs> this was, I was 15. I don't think Assassin's Creed existed. Uh, uh, but yeah, like, I think that's, that's the problem. That's, and people in that game with me were not having fun. Because I was not playing the game with them. I was playing the game I wanted to play. Right. Yeah. We had another one that was a Scorpion game. And one of the people in that game did not want to play the game the rest of us were playing. And we're, did a bunch of other stuff that was very, like, self-aggrandizing. Or, you know, turning on the other characters and turning on the Scorpion clan, which is a very, very weird and strange thing to do. Um, without any real reason for it. 
And that really threw a big wrench into the game we were playing. Not in, in quite so bad of a way, like I stab him, but it was it, it was just as much as a destruction to the game itself um, as, you know, somebody randomly saying, I'm going to stab the guy next to me. Um, so it, but that person wanted everybody to see how great they were at intrigue. And so he decided to intrigue against us. Um, which is which is a fine game, but it was his intention was not to play a role playing game; is is to shine stuff on himself. Right. Um, so nothing nothing actually made sense, if you guys know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Much like stabbing the person next to you doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. I think it's. I don't think that a lot of people think about you know what it, what is my intention here. Um, when you step up to a role-playing game, it's a fucking role-playing game, right? Right. Um, but I think that might have a lot to do with it. Uh, James V. said, uh, I usually pull, uh, pull the attention seekers aside and honestly explain the shared experience and that everyone gets a part of the time. And usually the people that want to have fun will understand and learn. I also make sure to share the focus on each player. And that's good if that's the if that's the kind of person you you're dealing with, because I mean there are I mean there are times when you've come up to and say hey, you're doing this and that's kind of not the way we like to do this we like to do it this way and they're like oh I'm sorry I mean that I've I've had that happen numerous times but there are those people who don't come into it with that intention you're I think you're absolutely right. Anything else? Are we done? We this is a long episode for yeah we recent times sorry we really, really brought right. it <laughs> like the good old days well, nobody oh has man. commutes anymore I don't know how they're gonna listen to this there there are some of the old episodes that I do not remember the end of oh yeah we we I totally two, blacked out in like three hour plus episodes <laughs> where, where we, we we started with. Two 12 packs of beer with you, me, and Stork. <laughs> By the time we were done, hey, we need to go do another beer run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. Thank you for joining us for season 27, episode four of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Steppy. This is Chris. This is Mo. And thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Friday and at happyjacks.org slash live. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. From Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor Be a problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make the preceding program has been a presentation of the angry folk media empire go away baiting